So this is a problem that trips a lot of people up. In fact, so confusing is it that even when they look at it, they often don't see or know what it is that they're looking at. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about play deficiency in dogs today. Welcome to Don't Throw Out the Dog, a podcast to dive into the behaviors of your dog to help you understand what they mean, how they're feeling, and what they're trying to say. It's education and knowledge for a closer connection, bringing your best friend even closer. Now your host, Armando Morales. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's Armando Morales. This is episode five. Thank you for joining me here. And I hope that uh, those of you who have listened to the last, uh, the first four episodes are getting some kind of information from this, finding it useful, beneficial in some way. You feel that you're getting some kind of value and, and broadening your horizons in terms of understanding your dog at a better and deeper level. Because that's ultimately what it's all about, right? This isn't necessarily about training. This is about just delving deeper into all of those behaviors all of those movements, all of those looks, all of those postures that tell us something about what's going on internally with our dogs. So this is a good one uh, because as I said in the introduction, this is something that trips a lot of people up and it tripped me up for, for some time. Way back when I was less savvy than I am now about dogs, I had a dog. And the thing with this dog is at the time, you know, socialization, which is was as much of a uh, a key word as it is now. So I thought I'd do the very best thing that I could by the dog and socialize the heck out of him. And I was taking him to dog parks back then. I'm not a big fan and advocate of dog parks now, but that's a whole different story. But I was taking him to dog parks then. And uh, I, the thing is that I noticed that he was getting worse. My efforts were and my intentions were that I was going to take him out. He was going to hang out and socialize with other dogs. I thought I was on the right track doing the right thing by him, as I said. And I, over time, I just noticed that his behaviors were not normal, <laughs> for lack of a better word, and that other dogs weren't being as receptive to play with him as they were towards other dogs, and that his behavior and attitudes towards other dogs were becoming less and less friendly. And it stymied me. It confused the heck out of me. I didn't understand what I was doing, because at that time, phase at that point I knew I recognized that he was in his efforts in his desire he had the desire he had the heart I saw it in him I wasn't as savvy as I said at reading body language back then but I recognized this I knew his 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 overzealousness and excitement in the presence of other dogs and I didn't read it at the time as a negative thing I figured oh, this is a dog that wants to definitely engage and interact and play and have fun with other dogs Except that it just didn't work out that way when I took him to the dog park. And over time, and, and I'm not over a long period of time, relatively quickly, it, it just started to digress. Uh, the behavior just started to just kind of deteriorate and get worse over time so that he couldn't engage with other dogs. And now he got to the point where he saw other dogs and, and it wasn't a positive thing. I could see that he was a little hesitant. He was reluctant to engage. And that changed and got worse over time as well. So what was it? What was I dealing with? What is this issue? Why, why does a dog whose d desire and intent is to have fun with other dogs, how does a dog like that just get worse? Well, it was play deficiency. And play deficiency is not a term that I came up with. I actually read it. I want to say, I can't remember exactly where, which is unfortunate because I want to 
give credit where credit is due. But I want to say that this was Jean Donaldson in one of her books that I read uh, some time ago, quite some time ago. And if you don't know who Jean Donaldson is, uh, Google her or go to Amazon and look up one or, or a few of her books. I think she's even got some videos out there. I haven't really seen her videos, but to pick up one or two of her books. Look for the highest rated ones and, and pick up one of her two or two of her books. They'll give you a lot of information with regards to dogs and dog body language and dog psychology. So they were really helpful. And I think she coined this term. I don't even know if she coined the term, but I picked it up from her. And it was uh, play deficiency. So what's play deficiency? Believe it or not, there are dogs out there that just don't know how to play and interact with the dog properly. Now, a common myth is that dogs naturally know how to play. They know how to interact with each other, right? They know how to read each other's cues. But no, that is not the truth. In fact, it's quite the opposite. There are many, many dogs out there who struggle in their interaction and engagement with other dogs. And yes, there could be a variety of reasons why that's happening. But very often, it is a form of play deficiency, what you're witnessing. So what really is play deficiency? As I said, a dog that is play deficient lacks the ability to give off the right body signals. He can't convey to the other dog what his actual playful intentions are. He often comes on too strong. It's too much too soon. So it becomes an issue of overwhelm. These are not necessarily aggressive dogs. It can form that way. It can develop into a form of aggression or reactivity towards other dogs. But it doesn't start off that way. And very often what you have is a dog who starts off again with that desire to want to play and have a good time, but because he doesn't know how to convey that information properly through the through his body language, it doesn't turn out well. Dogs, from the second they see each other, dogs are already sizing each other up. They're reading each other's intentions and body language and cues, and all of that gives them all, a ton of information. They don't just go at each other without knowing exactly who the other dog is. Dogs are always trying to figure out whether that other dog, the one that they're about to interact with, the one that they see at a distance, whether that dog is safe or not. And the only way that they're going to be able to do that and pick up on the idea as to whether this is a dog I can move forward with and progress into uh, some form of play or a dog that I should move away from is is really based on the language, on the body language of all those physical cues that the dog, the other dog is giving them. So even if your dog sees another dog and he freezes, that other dog sees that as a sign. Okay, that, the, that other dog is going to make a judgment call as to, you know, you're receptive to play or this is a dog I can begin to kind of move a little forward with and progress and, and engage with or I'm going to keep my distance for some time until I see something different from you. And they're going to see everything. They're going to see the tail. They're going to see the ears. They're going to see the eyes. Are they hard? Are they, is it a hard stare? Is it a soft stare? Is there a tightness to your face, to your mouth? What's your body looking like? Is it like an arrow directed right at me? Is it a little more fluid? Is it a little more wiggly? All of that, you know, dogs don't just look at each other and just decide, hey, let's go at it. Let's have fun. No, they don't. And depending on the dog, a dog can be extremely social and decide, hey, I'm going to go in. So he can be a little more confident. In other words, when I say social, he's a little more confident. He's a little more self-assured. He's a little more resilient. We talked about resiliency in a past episode. This is the kind of dog who's just going to go in 
And yeah, I want to get to know you. Let's get to know each other. Let's have a good time. Let's play. But still, that doesn't mean that he's going to ignore all of his canine training growing up and turn a blind eye to your dog's verbal or rather visual cues. Verbal cues can play a part of it as well. The way your dog barks or whines no, or growl. But the point is that there's communication going on back and forth, back and forth. And we see it in the obvious, right? The play bow, we know that. That's the obvious one. But what I'm saying is even long before they get to the play bow stage, there's information going back and forth. And that information is going to tell them this is something that we can move forward with or nope, you seem a little sketchy, I'm going to move back. But the dog who has a play deficiency lacks the ability to give off those cues. He doesn't know how to give them off properly. So he often comes on as, as, as just too hard. So not aggressive, but think more assertive. It's like that kind of like, you know, like the frat boy who wants to, who comes into the party and woo, where's the keg? Let's have some fun. Starts crashing around everything, you know, bumping into everyone. It's just like you're, you're coming on too strong, buddy. Or the guy at the bar who just, you know, doesn't even try to get a name or a number. Just just move right in. Hey, how you doing? Me, you, right now. It just doesn't work that way. So that's the dog who has a play deficiency. But more so, worse than your dog or the play deficient dog, his inability, in other words, to give off the proper cues is also his inability to read the cues in other dogs. He is either completely unable to read those cues in the unfamiliar dog or the familiar dog that he wants to play with, or he gets a sense of what those cues mean, but he ignores them anyway because he's conditioned himself to just go right in. He doesn't know what the protocol is, and this creates a crap load of problems with dogs. So before we even talk about what problems it creates in dogs, let's talk about why or how a dog can become play deficiency. Because as I said earlier, the popular misconception is that all dogs know how to play. It's a natural thing. They're just born with this inherent skill to learn how to play. And that isn't true. So there's two reasons I think I would pick out why dogs have this play deficiency thing in them. One is socialization. A dog doesn't get adequate enough time to play with other dogs. So he isn't exposed to other dogs, or if he is, there isn't real any, any real play, any real meaningful engagement. So he doesn't know how to properly play with a dog. But here, there's another one. And this one is what I think is the primary cause of dogs who really lack play deficiency. And that is the dog who is weaned too early from his mother and litter mates. Because it is during those early, early formative weeks, not even months, those early stage weeks, that the dog begins to learn some kind of bite inhibition and proper play with his litter mates. He learns bite inhibition not only from his mother, but again from the his his siblings. He learns to read cues from his mother. Let me tell you, those tiny puppy teeth, they are sharp. <laughs> if you've ever put your, your finger in, in a little tiny puppy's mouth, 
they're sharp. They're like little razors. And if you can imagine a dog, a puppy at that stage trying to suck on his mom's teats, trying to get some milk, you know, if that dog doesn't go in easy, that can be painful. And this may be a surprise to you, but mom doesn't take to that well. And when she gives out a correction, it's not a pleasant one. It's not a soft one. She's not going to take into consideration his feelings. She's going to let him know in no uncertain terms. Clearly, that's not acceptable. And when she does, that puppy is going to learn to never go in that hard, to control his jaw pressure and mouth, and more so, he's going to learn to watch for cues. He's going to start looking for those cues in his mom that are going to tell him, it's okay for me to go in and get some milk and feed, or I've got to wait. That's just one of many examples, one of many ways in which a puppy at that stage starts to learn how to really control himself, how to read the cues. But when a dog is weaned a little too early, he either does not get those experiences or he gets a limited number of those experiences, not enough so that he, it can really imprint themselves into him and he can carry forward with those skills and that knowledge and information further on into his life. So that what happens is that when they're weaned too early, and this is, this is a big concern, and, and I would suspect, I don't know this for a fact, but I would suspect that this is more of a growing thing where people are just, you know, breeders are taking dogs a little too early from their moms and the litter mates, which would explain not just play deficiency, but a whole host of other issues that dogs eventually develop. But when this happens, it can have a long-lasting negative effect on the dog's behaviors. And one of which, which is the one we're talking about today, is play deficiency. So that when your dog, when the dog gets to your house and now you want to take him outdoors or set him up with a, pl uh, a play date or take him to the dog park or a daycare, pretty soon you start either observing it yourself or you start getting complaints. Your dog doesn't know how to play well with others. And very often, it's not because your dog is broken. It's just because he never really learned those skills early on in those, those impressionable formative weeks and months. But I happen to think, I don't know this statistically, but I happen to think that dogs' primary reason for having play deficiency is that they are weaned a little too early. And, of course, socialization, once the dog gets to your doorstep, socialization efforts on your part surely count for it uh, because it is i would i would guess it's possibly a situation that you may be able to rectify or minimize in some way if you had very early socialization with the dog but i think socialization efforts are all over the place and i think the vast majority of us do a kind of crappy job at socializing dogs Okay, so let's talk about the possible outcomes of play deficiency. In other words, the worst case scenarios for a dog that is play deficient, doesn't know how to really play with other dogs. In the worst case scenario, you can develop a dog who becomes reactive or aggressive towards other dogs. Okay, how does that happen? First of all, let's go back to discussing briefly what we talked about in past episodes with regards to how dogs learn. They're very associative in the way that they learn. So in other words, it's a pattern. They're going to associate one thing with another. It doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't really matter. You don't have to apply logic to it. There's no rationale. They're just going to make a pair 
a pairing, one connection with one thing to another, and then they're going to make that association, and that association is going to sit with them for quite some time, sometimes forever. That's how they will learn. So here's a possible scenario. The play-deficient dog goes out, and he makes an effort because, again, his intention and his desire in his heart and all over his body is to really play. He wants to have a really good time. There's no bad or ill intention in this dog. There's no anger. This dog does not have any desire to hurt anyone. He wants to play, except that because he doesn't know how to give off the proper cues, he comes on too strong. So, and by too strong, that means there's just an overwhelm of energy. There's no warm-up period. There's no introduction period. There's no, there's either no communication or very little of it with regards to what the dog wants to do. So he sees a dog at a distance and he may race towards him. I mean, race towards him. There's no casual kind of stroll. There's no pausing to check each other out to see whether it's okay if I just move in a little closer or not. There's no stopping to read the other dog's cues when the other dog gives off a cue that may convey that I'm not really open to this right now. I'm a little shy. I'm a little scared. Or, hey, I'm a little, I'm a little reactive. Don't come in so close. So the play deficient dog, you may think he's stubborn, but he's not stubborn. You may think he's dense, but he's not dense. He's not stupid. He just can't pick up on the signs. Or he's conditioned himself so much to just go in for the play that he ignores them. They don't really have strong meaning to him because he hasn't been practiced enough with these skills, these commu this communication type. So when he comes on too strong, what happens with most dogs, right? Most dogs, again, if you've got a dog who is not play deficient, he's not going to be open to that. He's not going to be receptive to it. So he's going to see that other dog, your dog coming in a little too hard, and he's not going to react well to it. And there's a multitude of ways that he can react, one of which you can just decide to move away, except that the dog who is play deficient probably won't, won't see that as a signal. He may ignore that. So he may come in even more. And maybe your dog is a very social dog and he figures, you know, I don't, I'm not really feeling this guy. He's, he's a little too, too much right now. It's a bit of overwhelm, but I'm going to try and play with him anyway. Except that when your dog does try to move away or tries to create some space, he, the other dog, the, the play deficient dog doesn't pick up on those cues, doesn't pick up on that sign and doesn't give him that personal space, doesn't give him that little break. Or maybe he plays with him in a way that your dog doesn't like. And maybe the play deficient dog doesn't pick up on your dog's cues that tell him, I don't like that. Don't grab me by the scruff. Don't, don't grab me by the tail. Don't jump on me. I don't like that. So your dog's behaviors, because again, now he's getting not only frustrated, but slightly uncomfortable, maybe a little fearful, and he's maybe giving off different signals. Now he, he pulls away even faster. Now the movement and the play between the dog, instead of it being smooth and fluid, becomes kind of jerky and spastic. That's a sign that something's not really right. Maybe now he starts to give off a bark. Maybe now he starts to give off a growl. And oftentimes, believe it or not, the play-deficient dog will not respond to those cues. He or she often has to be removed physically or told to stop because they don't see that cue or those cues as signs that you're not really feeling me right now, are you? They don't get that. So the play deficient dog goes on. 
And because he doesn't change his pattern, he again doesn't read other cues, he continues to engage in the same over-the-top, overly aggressive, hardcore, overzealous way. He, he comes on too thick, too hard, too strong. And he starts to get the same reaction from many other dogs. Some dogs are a little more passive. They're a little gentler in the way that they warn. Other dogs are not so passive and gentle, and they warn very clearly. Like there's a sharp bark or a sharp growl, or there's a bit of a fight that breaks out. Because the other dog isn't having the nonsense from the play-deficient dog. So... The owner's intention, again, not understanding what it is that he's dealing with or what it is that he's seeing seeing in his dog, even though at this point something should be, there should be a light flashing in his head. Like maybe something's not right with my dog. But the dog, but the owner, in other words, decides, well, I, I want to socialize my dog because he sees that the dog may not be doing so well <laughs> and scoring well with other dogs. So he tries to double down and takes him out to the dog park even more. It doesn't dawn on him, this may not be a good idea. This may end up in a bad place. This, this may just head in the wrong direction. He just thinks something's not right with my dog. He's not playing well with other dogs. Uh, he needs more socialization, clearly. He needs more practice time. He needs more time at the dog park. He needs more time at daycare. So they continue to take him to these places and the dog continues to engage with other dogs and the dog continues to get similar behaviors from other dogs and those behaviors are pretty much, hey, up yours, I don't want to play with you. I don't like you. I don't like your style. So what happens? This is the point that I was talking about. At some point, and when, it really is dependent on the dog, but at some point, that play-deficient dog begins to develop an association. And that association, very simply put, goes along the lines of other dogs are not friendly. It never dawns on him that he's coming on too strong, that he doesn't know how to play, or that they're simply reacting to his style and his energy and his movements. It doesn't dawn on him. He doesn't think about that, remember? It's association. There's no logic to it. There's no rationale. He's just going to have that develop. He's going to develop that association and he's going to begin to build upon it. And how is he going to be, be able to build on it? He's going to build on it because he's going to start getting more and more experiences like that. And then at some point, the owner is going to start to see that there really is some kind of big regression of some kind in his dog's interaction with other dogs. And how does that form out and how can that take shape? Well, instead of now the play deficient dog looking at other dogs and feeling like, whoops, let's play over the top, really excited. Now he starts to see them and he may not be so quick to race to them. Now he begins to see them and there may be some immediate defensive posturing. Maybe he'll start to get his hackles up. Maybe he'll freeze. Maybe he'll show a reluctance to go to daycare or the dog park. Maybe he sees other dogs come near him and he starts to do something along the aggressive line. Something lunging, barking, snarling, growling. Something that should hopefully tell the owner this isn't right. And, and this is a judgment call 
For those of you who are dealing with dogs along these lines, if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, damn, that sounds like my dog. If you're listening to this, then here's the reality of it. You are going to have to make a judgment call at some point, hopefully before it's too late, before your dog begins to get really reactive towards other dogs and develop some kind of aggressive displays of behavior towards other dogs. Because in essence, if you remember back to one of the episodes, I said we either create the problem out of hand, meaning the problem doesn't exist and we created it, or there was some kind of baggage there and we enabled it. We made it worse. So you're going to fall into one of those two categories. You're either going to create this or it's already there. Your dog's already got play deficiency issues and you're going to help make it worse. So you're going to have to make a judgment call. And that judgment call basically is at some point you're going to decide this isn't good for my dog. He's not playing well with other dogs. This seems to be making him worse. He's not in a good space when he's around other dogs. So your judgment call is basically either do I continue this in the hopes that it's going to improve, which it really isn't, rarely is, or do I just move back? And sometimes moving back is the best option. And let me tell you, when it came to that dog that I had, that is exactly what I did. I moved back, meaning no more day par- no more daycare, no more dog parks. He was no longer a dog park or daycare candidate. I recognized that. At that point, I was already on the path towards educating myself. So I, I came upon this, this idea and this, this uh, whole concept of uh, play-deficient dogs, and, it, and the, the light went over my head immediately. Holy crap, that's my dog. And it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's heartbreaking because you see your dog who's really overexcited, over the top with excitement. He wants to play with other dogs. But the reality is he just doesn't know. And here's the truth about play deficiency in dogs. I've yet to see a dog who is play deficient early on in life and learn to be a dog who plays later on in life. I've yet to see that. What you see and what I've seen instead are, one, a dog who gets older and gets a little more mellower with age so his movements are not so spastic they're not so high energy they're not so assertive so that when he does move in to play with other dogs i mean provided that at this stage the dog has not turned reactive or aggressive towards other dogs because he hasn't developed an association so in other words he gets older and he gets mellower and he no longer has none of those you know crazy over-the-top behaviors So that can affect how other dogs receive him and see him and engage with him. Or the other thing is that he he has developed a relationship with one or a handful of dogs, more than likely familiar dogs, dogs that he lives with, or neighbor's dogs, or dogs that are in the family. And he gets to engage with them on an almost regular basis. And those dogs, they understand him. They're a little more tolerant of his craziness and rambunctiousness and ignoring of all of my physical cues. And I have seen that. I have seen a a healthier dog, a dog that is not play deficient, learn to play with the dog that is play deficient because the one who is healthier, in other words, I won't say healthier, I'm not saying that the other one is not healthier. Play deficient dog is not a question of a dog who is not healthy is just certain life skills that he hasn't learned. So it's not like he's there's something loopy in his head. So, But I have seen other dogs who do not have play deficiency learn to play with play deficient dogs. And they just basically tolerate 
They, they learn how to deal with this dog. That doesn't mean that they don't still give off warning signs. And once in a while, on occasion, you will have a little spat. You will have a little fight. Not a full-blown fight, but you will have a little spat between the back and forth in the two. But for the most part, a dog who is play deficient doesn't get better over time. He doesn't suddenly at some point realize, oh, I get it. This is how I'm supposed to communicate with you. I've never seen it happen. I'm not saying that it can't, and I'm not saying that it hasn't. I've just never seen it, and I've dealt with a lot of dogs, uh, including my own. So think about that, because uh, I can guarantee you this is um, a very common issue out there. I'm sure that there are many of you listening to this right now who are dealing with the same scenario, who have a house with a dog, and that dog wants to play with every freaking dog in the neighborhood, but when you give him or her that opportunity, you see things just go to hell. Things just do not work out. And you're wondering why is it not working out. Chances are your dog has a play deficiency. And you really, you know, my, my big thing here on this podcast is getting to know your dog, right? What do I always advocate? Learning your dog's body language. And if you're really attentive to your dog's body language and you're being vigilant, you're going to start recognizing the cues if you're looking for it. Yeah, my dog is coming on too strong. He just, he just raced right into that other dog or she just went right into play. She didn't give any signs. And this is not the way that they act with familiar dogs. So yeah, they can be they can have familiar dogs, dogs that they've played with and in, in, or engaged with in the past, and they can see them at a distance and just start racing toward them towards them to play. No, this is with the unfamiliar dogs. If you look and watch unfamiliar dogs, if you study them, it's a rare thing that unfamiliar dogs just see each other and boom, race towards each other to play. They may race towards each other, but at some point you're going to see them slowing down a little. They may race towards each other, but at some point you're going to see them slow down and maybe turn around each other because they're checking each other out. They're sizing each other up. Something that the play deficient dog doesn't really do. So think about this and really go out and scrutinize your dog's behaviors, the body language. And if you do feel that something's not right with your dog's play, if you do feel that maybe daycare or dog parks aren't good for him because he gets into a lot of fights, that should be a red flag. If you're getting calls from the daycare is, and they're telling you, you know what, he doesn't seem comfortable around other dogs, he's getting into a lot of fights, that could be play deficiency. It may not be. It could be, a, it could be other things. It could be just fear, fear towards uh, other dogs. It, it could be a, just your dog doesn't like that environment. It could be the way that the daycare is run. It could be there's too much energy, too much craziness. It could be a small dog around bigger dogs. It could be a whole host of things. So I'm not saying don't jump to the conclusion it's play deficiency, but educate yourself. Find out exactly what it is your dog is doing. And if you're hearing issues about your dog getting into little scuffles and fights, or if it's a frequent thing when you take him out to the dog park, something's up. That's not normal. And you need to start paying attention to those behaviors. So inform yourself. All right, so I'm going to leave it off here. Hopefully, I gave you a little bit of information and something to really think about because I think this is a big one. This is a common one. This will really clue you into what's going on with your dog if you're dealing with a play-deficient dog. And it's a serious thing, and it's a real thing, and it's not a make-believe notion. So thank you very much for listening this far. And as always, look, check me out on Instagram. I'm on there quite a bit. I'm on Facebook too. I just don't – I guess I'm not a – 
big on Facebook as I am on Instagram, but I'm big on Instagram. It's my name, first and last, Armando Morales, 77, A-R-M-A-N-D-O-M-O-R-A-L-E-S. Just go on up there, check me out, follow, and uh, drop me a line. Let me know that you're listening to my podcast. Rate and review, please. I, you know, you hear there's an, I, I listen to tons of podcasts, and I hear there's an every freaking podcast. And now that I have one, I understand why. It really does a lot and goes a long way towards helping the actual podcast grow and spread because I see that the more ratings and reviews, the more people tune into it or the more it gets into other people's radar. And this that's what I really want. I want, I want this information to be helpful and of benefit to other people because I can guarantee you that there's somebody out there struggling with their dog, their dog's going through issues and they have no clue, no idea of what's going on. So if this can shed uh, just you know a little bit of information, this can give them a little light so that they can go out and explore and research on their own and gather even more information, then I've done my job and that's I'm thankful for that. And if you can help me along those lines by leaving a rating and review, then I would be eternally grateful to you. Okay, thank you for listening in. Let's go on to the next podcast. Have yourself a great time. Get out there, hang out with your dog, build that relationship. Really start reading your dog, communicate with them, and all the best to both of you. Take care. This has been Don't Throw Out the Dog. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to this podcast to be the first to hear new episodes jam-packed with actionable tips and tricks. Small changes you can make that will make an everlasting difference in the life of your dog and your relationship with it. For more exclusive content, follow Armando on Instagram at Armando Morales 77.